Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Kashif Booth podcast. If you're new here, each week I sit down with a guest and we discuss their career so far, the highs, the lows, and what's next for them. Today's guest is Simone Facey. She is the head of facilities at Raw TV, and we've known each other for about seven years. She gave me one of my first jobs in TV, so it's great to have her on the show today. Welcome to the show, Sim. Thank you, Cash. I'm glad to be here. I'm so happy to see you. No idea. <laughs> cool. Thank you for coming on. So like, as I said, like you've been at Raw TV, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, about 10 years. Because I remember when I started there, you'd been there like three years. That's crazy. And so as the listeners have probably heard already, I had Dion a few weeks ago and we got our positions at Raw TV for an organisation called Creative Access. So I remember I didn't actually get the job, but you liked me so much that you created a role for me. So I was like very happy about that. (laughs) And I always say to people like during my career, like that is the most diverse team I've ever had. Like my line manager was black. We had Lena who was Colombian, Rob who was white. Um, Luke, who was mixed race, half white, half black, Dion, and then myself. When I tell people that they actually start laughing, like, what do you mean? <laughs> that was crazy. I'm like, yeah, I was very lucky and blessed to have that on my first experience, like in TV. And I was at Raw for like on and off for two years. And it was always very diverse. We had like, because we were runners, runners are entry level position. So when I come back, sometimes you had like a guy and a girl, or you'd have, I remember when I came up with Jess and Elizabeth, and that was a black girl and a mixed race girl as well, who's half white and half black. So Raw, and you being at Raw definitely helped, I feel like, get that foot in the door. And I feel like Dion and I probably would have stayed there longer if there was opportunities available at that time. But it's fine, (laughs) like we've done so well. So yeah, so tell us about you. How did you get started in film and TV? Um, well, before I go into TV, I was working in music. So I so I left school with my GCSEs and I didn't go to college or uni. So I went straight into retail. And I worked in retail for about four years or so before I realised that I couldn't do it anymore. Otherwise, I'd go crazy. Oh, I so at that time, <laughs> I pulled out the Yellow Pages, the old Yellow Pages, the actual book, and took from it and went to the, there was a section called TV, media, radio, and I literally just called every single number that was in there. And then in the T's, a company called Tough got back to me, you know, a session agency, and they were only up the road for me. So I joined them and it was a black owned company as well. So there was only four of us and it was great. It was a great industry to be in. I loved music at the time and it crossed over with television. And when I left, I left, my grand passed away and and I kind of felt like it was there was more I wanted to do as much as I loved it there was more that I knew I needed to do so I needed to push myself out of tough and ended up joining an, an agency and started temping and temped um through ad agencies PR agencies and then they called me for a job at ITM as an office manager slash receptionist which is kind of the jobs I was temping at and then I went and got the job before I left the office. I don't know, I mean, I mean, what can you do? They just, they, I just, I entered the room and they loved it. And I was there for like six years and that was a baptism of fire definitely for me, especially coming from a company that was four people, black people, all from North London, going to ITN Factual, run by Philip Dampier, who loved Princess Diana and most of our content was about the Royals and it was just white, loads of white people. And that was the first time I was like, okay, this is definitely a completely different 
idea of what I thought TV could be, but let me roll with it. And then I, ITM just wasn't the right environment for me. It was just very corporate. They did the news there, they did Channel 4 News, they did all that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, it just, it, the environment wasn't, wasn't creative enough for me. So I, I left, I just left and started, um, what did I do? I, I went online and sort of looked into like TV, scripted and at the time, just came across a guy who was writing a comedy um, himself, much like the stuff that you were doing, just picked up his stuff, got his pad out, writing, just like reaching out to people. And we just connected online and, and we met up in a Starbucks somewhere, I've never been in Northwest London. And he told me all about his comedy, all about the script. And I just really wanted to help him. A young black guy called Samuel Benter. And I just really wanted to be a part of his idea. And he sold it to me, you know, he's got this energy. Yeah, you know Samuel, yeah, don't you? Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's full of, he's such positive <laughs> energy. Yeah, he could get you to sign anything, trust. Listen, <laughs> why is he not in sales? Like, yeah, he needs to exactly. be just like, like that. I was hooked, I was like, yes, I believe in you. And, and then we started writing and, and I just got so sucked into it. Because I wasn't working, I live alone. I left home when I was 17, I've been paying my bills all my life. And then the fear got to me, you know? And I needed to pay my bills, so then, I reached out to the agency and they found me an interview at Raw and I went not really wanting the job to be perfectly honest because I was having so much fun just being in this creative bubble and then they called me and I was like okay and then I started I know right I started I was like okay I think I could probably do this it's not like ITN everyone's like everyone it's definitely more creative and I was I think I was intrigued by them They're all super smart in a, in a way that didn't particularly intimidate me but I felt like okay I need to understand like what's happening when I'm in the room I want to understand what they're talking about and I quite liked that I was interested and then I've been there ever since been there ever since 10 years later Crazy to think it's been <laughs> that long, and it's been seven years since Dion and I and Lena we all worked together at Raw, and now everybody has gone yeah. on to do like so well. So yeah, so it's great to hear yeah. your journey because I love hearing everybody who's been on the show that they've had all different journeys as to where they are, and so it's really good to to get that. So you're now head of facilities. You've been head of facilities for a while because I know you were just office manager, then you got that new position. So yeah. what is it like? being head of facilities at Raw TV and what does explain to like the listeners like what is your like day-to-day uh well now my role is slightly involved so we brought in somebody who's now the office manager which has right. taken away a lot of my responsibility in the last couple of months so now as head of facility my job is really just to oversee the post-production side of things um you know we have internal edit suites and we do a lot of developments mm-hmm. and civils and those kind of stuff um i still pay the bills so structurally i'm still responsible for the building and the leases and we're kind of thinking about how to reuse the space um and i mean during lockdown people obviously been working from home and, and it's worked for them in some in some cases and we want to be able to give people the option to do that going forward you know so that's a project that i'm working on and that we're trying to integrate with more dni stuff and and what DNI means for us, we're still working out, you know. Um, it's I'm really excited about where we're going with this, and I'm gonna be across it as well with a few other people in the company. So that's also a part of this evolving role. Um, but essentially my job is to be the person who is the go-to for everything as far as 
the operations of the business just to make sure everyone is okay and, and everyone's well-being is sound you know I hope, I hope people saw that for me anyway I think they do because I remember being in the office I think everyone knew to come to you about a certain problem and stuff like that and so it's like you're the go-to and I wanted to ask you because you know I did an interview recently with this website called Creative Lives and Progress and I mentioned you in it because a lot of the times I ask these dumb questions I really don't like them like who are some of your inspirations and blah 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 I just want to do film and tv like I just find them really just odd and so thinking about it I thought of like my time at Raw where did you come with that work ethic and like structure because that's something I have applied to everywhere I've gone so I've gone to places where communication has been so poor or they don't know how to manage people certain level and I feel like you do a great job of doing that and that's something which I think it was great early onset training for me in my career to have that like emplacement of knowing what goes on from A to B like every single day where did that come from because a lot of people need to have that doing productions oh, well. gosh. that's what I have no idea <laughs> I think if I'm honest it's probably my mum you know it's probably as, as the core of just my mum and saying my mum work hard you know and she worked hard all of us and she's still working hard now and she's always told me that everyone shits and eats everybody's exactly the same you know you treat nobody no different so I've never been afraid to walk into the room and completely be myself regardless of who's in there and I think that's always benefited me something that I've noticed in people especially in tv that they're never really their their full organic selves and and yes it's about being professional but there's also a part of of just sort of I don't know it's just closing that part of yourself off and it's just something that I just I can't physically do um and I'm just aware of tv isn't just your directors it isn't just your execs you know it is the caretaker that comes in at 1am because the alarm's going off and he calls me Sim you know it's that guy it's the cleaners that are there picking up all the mugs that everybody's left on the table the four mugs that they've got that they never like to wash out you know it's all of those kind of things it's the runners that come in sweating buckets you know to try and people please and just to to keep the office and everything else ticking over and a lot of people that all goes unnoticed a lot of the time but I, it never goes unnoticed for me you know because i've been there i've done that not the run of route but i've been there in the toilets in the kitchen right photocopying this doing that making the teas you know because i don't know I just, I just don't see why we shouldn't work that way i don't see why we shouldn't give people the opportunity to be themselves when they come in I don't see why we shouldn't push and, and try and inspire everybody that comes through the door. And for me, I think, especially coming from ITN and just seeing the lack of black people that were there, to going to Raw and still seeing that, but also seeing the opportunity that I have to bring those in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was that was a bit of ammo for me. And you and Lena and Dion and and Luke and um and and they were, all that people have kind of afterwards I think I've not efforted but I've intentionally really tried to get as many people who aren't already in the company in the doors mm-hmm. you know and, and I would continue to do that yeah and now I feel like raw our understanding of that and they see the benefit in that and they also understand that, you know, they can't tell all the stories, you know, they can't, they can't tell the narrative for everybody. 
So they, they understand that they need to do some work on their part, which is really exciting for me. So it's like, okay, so I can, I can, I can have an effect on this company and not be a director or that producer. I can just be sim still and have them hear me. You know, that's really been quite empowering this last year, definitely. No, you I made forgot the question. Sorry, Cash, I went off on one there, didn't I? No, but it, it worked in well. It worked in well, honestly, because like you made some really good points of of really owning it when you go into these workspaces because it's funny Dion and I spoke about this when I interviewed her is that we were both very quite shy and reserved and didn't really know especially me because I knew that I was fine with my set core in the office but it took me becoming independent filmmaker to actually have that confidence because sometimes when you get into it you know you're told to by people oh you should talk to this person talk to that person you're like well that person's this producer or that person's that exec and you kind of get lost in it but now I could talk to anybody because I've had to talk to every range of different type of people every day so you just have to be confident and it's something you have to grow and learn with and yeah I don't have any regrets not doing that at least I learned how to do it and I'm in that space now to be able to do it so I definitely understand that but sometimes I think as a person of color you kind of feel like you can't say nothing or you don't know how you might be perceived because like for example one of my best friends is Muslim so she wears a hijab so she's felt that when you've gone into when she's gone into an interview for a production office job or whatever she's felt them prejudging her because she's wearing her job so that already knocked her confidence times 10 but then yeah. I told her okay we don't have to go that route you can do it independently and now she's doing that so I definitely understand yeah. that and I made a good point about about looking after looking out for us in terms of like all the people of color who've been in and I definitely felt that because we had that mothering role just like okay talk to people do this or make sure that you're blah 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 and it was you kind of look back and you understand that because you had to do your job and you're we are representation of you so it's like we want to make sure you've got them in the door but you've got to do a good job as well and it's funny because I'm working with a yeah. director and she's a white woman and she said that when she tried to have a diverse crew they didn't perform well so then she just had to go back to the people she knew and that's the issue as soon as we are hold to a higher standard than everybody else so we have to just be on a hundred percent at all times we can't afford to mess up and that's just the reality of it even though they try and be diverse it's not always going to be like that so yeah so I definitely understand that point no it's not always going to be like that which is mm -hmm. why I intend on talking about it talking about it talking mm -hmm. about it and I think when I when you guys came in or even before that when there was a few work experience placements I could see the not discomfort but the awkwardness within some people you know and that isn't just I wouldn't say just because you're black but I think they don't know how to speak to some black people or some people like some black people come in and you're really intimidated. You're walking mm -hmm. into an open office where there's 70, all of them are white. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you walk in, they go, shoo. And if you're not the courier, now you're walking down the office, they're looking at you like that. It's overwhelming, you know? Mm -hmm. I get it. And so when you when when you're told to okay, go to that, go into that meeting room oh. and ask them if they want a cup of teas. My heart no. was racing oh. like crazy. You didn't understand. I was like, okay, whoa. Wow. <laughs> 
I remember my first day because I remember with my name because it's Arab so it's like people won't get it so then it's like always that preconceived okay are they going to get my name are they going to get it and there's so many different pronunciations of it so I don't mind what people use but I was like oh gosh but when you guys asked if you could call me cash that was fine because a lot of people don't ask so that was great so that just kind of everyone knew okay that's cash and whatever but it still took time and then eventually you do that so I definitely get it (laughs) <laughs> well exactly and also you want people because i hate not abbreviations of names but when people don't know how to say your name so they just stop saying it or oh. they say excuse me or they and then it's like oh, they wave you with just yeah. some random stuff. oh they yeah i had that mm-hmm. but the point is like i can i understand in those moments like when when that guy does go into the room and he asks him if he want a cup of tea in that really low scared mm-hmm. voice the impression that they get as well he's not he didn't really he didn't really come across that well he's not that confident i'm not too yeah. sure if he's gonna no it's like i i needed to break that it's like you need to be around these guys way more than yeah. for them to feel more comfortable about seeing some more people like them in the office and also for you to see them more often so you know that that timid quiet guy from the guy that's got confidence but just might be really nervous in that moment or you know the girl that speaks broken english and everything 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 right now i feel like the office i'm glad it doesn't surprise me i'm glad that you referred to it as diverse and and see it in that way i still feel the holes in it Mm -hmm. and and for me it's more senior it's more high up i want to see the execs like i want to see some execs of color or and I don't care where you're from, right? mm-hmm. yeah, but mm-hmm. I want to see some more excess of colour. Um, and I would like to see some of our content reflect that change too. And I think that that's also something that they're really, not on board about, but they're really thinking about now, you know? That's really good. Yeah, I think, they, I think they're getting it. Yeah, that's um, really good. Yeah, yeah. Great. So as you've been, because we've spoke about diversity at Raw, so as you've been in this industry for so long, what are some of the things you've learned navigating through it as a black woman and just in general? No, Cash, to be honest with you, I don't think I really even given this much thought until like last year. Mm. I don't think I even realized what I was doing to navigate until last year. So it impacted me a lot because I felt complicit in a lot of things, even though you've just said that, you know, I've done this and I have, but I feel like I could have just been doing more. So I think for me, it's been, I don't, I honestly can't even pinpoint it. I know that, I think actually, I think actually, if I'm honest, in the beginning, I definitely would dumb myself down a bit because I felt intimidated by how smart everybody was. And they all went to university and they all went, they all knew each other and all had these associations. So I would, like, I would, I would, I don't want to say dumb myself down, but I would just, you know, just sort of be the one that's just going to have the banks and not really talk about politics and, and talk about farming or whatever they're talking about because, because I ain't watching that stuff. Do you know what I mean? And mm. I, I feel a bit out of place. And, and that worked actually, that worked because, I wasn't a threat to anybody, I guess. And I could be in the room and be a part of conversations and, and they weren't really intimidated by me in any kind of way. 
but I think that then started to frustrate me actually because then they weren't really seeing me fully you know they were still seeing a version of me I think you guys probably saw more of me actually than some of the um, some of the execs you know right um and I think slowly I've sort of shaken that off and I've been a part of more conversations because my role has changed as well. Because when I started, I was a PA slash office manager to a very small office. Then we moved, the office was bigger, then I had more execs to PA for, then we brought in more PAs and I was just the office manager. Then I went to production for a while. So my, my role sort of changed. So I, I became more involved in the company in every way and, and had more direct contact with other execs and people. So I was sort of boarding out a bit more higher up to the point that I'm at now where I'm in the room and people are listening to me, mm-hmm. you know, which is I'm very aware of also, you know. And sometimes I still have the pangs of, oh, they're all so smart still. But then I just sort of like, step out of that, step out of that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but otherwise, I think I have kind of, I think because I am I'm the kind of person just enjoys life and moments anyway, and I never really saw like ITN especially is something that I was going to be at forever. So I was, I was just really just observing and enjoying just taking things in and, and, just, in, and, and just enjoying that. And, and I think that worked for me. Some people obviously come into television, they have an objective and they want to do this and they do that and they're really ambitious. And I wasn't like that. So for me, it was slightly different, I feel like. So it was probably a lot easier to navigate because I wasn't in that competitive lane, you know? But yeah, I think that's probably, yeah. But I, I see it in a lot of the people that come through the door and I, I really do want to help them as much as we can. And yeah, yeah. No, Does that answer the question? No. Yeah, it did. Don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> no, because it is, I think George Floyd and the whole, the height of Black Lives Matter last year really affected people differently and to make them look at themselves, like what am I doing to actually create change? I'm in this position and what, and that's good because now you can make that change because you are in a more senior level at war. So you can have more of an influence on what these execs are doing and what kind of choices they're making. So if they are going to create a show or a film or whatever, because Raw is so multifaceted, of course, you know, factual and scripted, then you can they can actually bring in people to actually do that. There's so many writers and directors I know who are signed to agencies. They can do it. Hey, I can float a bunch of recommendations, trust me. So like, and I told you, <laughs> so I totally understand that and I think it's really about going to another level because like I've been at production companies where they promote themselves as being so diverse and then when we did get picked up by a network and stuff they just wanted to get somebody straight away and then once they had hired the person we're having conversations the next day and you're saying oh I didn't even think to find somebody who's black or Asian so it's like if your first thought wasn't to find somebody who's a black producer or Asian producer, then your thesis is just a lie. Because if you really wanted to, then you would have done it. I was the only black person who was working in production and had another one who was an accountant. That doesn't count. You can get an accountant from any industry, you know, like that doesn't count to me. Like I'm working in development, like get, yeah, you can get anybody. So, because I have to admit, at Raw, like a lot of the diversity was in the accountants, the finance team. You know, the accountant is the most diverse team. I've told them this all the time, and I walk over and I give them like great <laughs> I'm oh, so yeah. proud of how diverse their team is, and and it's something that we can you know do. 
across the business and we are doing and mm -hmm. and and I think that give us a couple of years and I think people will just sort of will just feel the difference mm -hmm. we'll feel the difference but that's, that's just us we're just one company you know mm -hmm. there's hundreds of thousands of companies and a lot of them aren't going to change and they're not going to put the same amount of thought and mm -hmm. effort into it yeah. really it's true. you know and it, it's not just on this subject it's many subjects you know but yeah, let's see. I'm excited about what's going to happen. I am too. I'm looking forward to seeing the next steps out there. And I remember mm. us years ago. To, oh, no, go on. What was you going to no, say? No, I was going to say, but it's not just production companies, podcasters too, you know, because yeah. there's a lot, not a lot of pushback from, well, yeah, I guess there might be. You know, there's, there's like, um, you, you, they have a lot of say in it too, as far as how you create things up, especially in the higher levels and your execs and your directors. And sometimes they want to name and they push. So, I think there's a lot of work on their part too. That was what I was going to say. But, but I agree, I agree. But then there is enough, like, what was that? Uh, Knots and Crosses, what came out last year, there was a director called Kobe Adam. He directed on that, and I saw him seeing his progress from getting BFI funding. So there, there's names now. So there's quite a lot of names out there. There's Dreaming Whilst Black by Ajani Salmon, and that was a web series, won, like, over 30 awards, and now that's going on BBC3. Yeah. So... There's no real excuse, in my opinion, but... Um, it's also, so it's also, also about looking at other types of content. It's not just looking at film directors, next film directors. Look at adverts, like look at music yeah. videos, and mm -hmm. look at the talent mm -hmm. there. There are so much talent mm -hmm. people in those mm -hmm. areas. And it's that kind of time and attention that I feel like we need to be looking into, yeah. and sort of seeing what's out there in those kind of spaces, as well as looking for the next one that's already in TV and film, because... I, I know so many people who are making music videos and mm -hmm. making corporate videos and stuff like that still, but not 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 that level that we would hire, but as far as music videos and advert, advert, adverts and all mm -hmm. that, the skills are there. Like, and these people are doing their own thing on the side, but you just mm -hmm. need to know who they are. And then, and then so on exactly. and so on. Exactly. Like, it's the time it takes to do that and the effort it takes to, to look into these people and find them, you know? Mm -hmm. Just got to make it a fun time. I remember talking to you ages of years ago, way back when I was working with you, and you always wanted to do comedy and write and stuff. Are you ever going to get back into that or just do it oh, like... Gosh. Are you going to bake me up like that? Come <laughs> to you. <laughs> I am... Do you know what? I feel it more and more. And, and I feel... Yes is the answer. Yes is the answer. I know it's going to come. And I can. I, it's evolving itself. And, and and what I don't want to do is effort into it. I don't want to force nothing. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm organically getting there. Listen to you. You literally put me on the spot now. I'm gonna pull out a pad off this. It's on record I'm now. Okay. <laughs> it's on record now. But the reason why I asked is because like a lot of some of the um women who I've interviewed, they've had definitely similar journey to you where they got a job in TV, just started working in it, like. And then once they actually started to focus on their passion, that's when their career really took off in another direction. Like one girl, she just started writing. She worked like with, what was it? She started working with Channel 4. She did stuff with Star Wars, was working up that corporate route and stuff and then quit because, you know, she just didn't know her place in the industry and then just focused on writing. 
then once she started focusing on the writing, she started winning awards. And then next, now she's got a commission by Channel 4 just because of her writing and doing what she's actually passionate about. So yeah. I'm just saying, you know, do on the side, I did it. It is hard work. I'm not going to lie, it is. But you never know because, like, if, Issa Rae always said this, and I always quote her, she always said about the, the power of networking across not just up and that's what is always very important networking across is so important because you can find people who want to do the same thing as you and then you build like that and then that's how you kind of move up so i'm just saying you know i'll be checking in I told you, like I wrote a little short play once, mm -hmm. like a little uh, mm -hmm. local thing, and won an award for that. And, and I know that I I love it, and I think that not that I'm scared of it. I think you know what I think what happened was the, the whole Sam Sam Benter thing will happen again, mm -hmm. and I will just go shoot, and I'll just get sucked into a little vortex. And I'm like, bye, Raw. I'm off <laughs> to write to me. It'll be like that, and I just need to gear myself up for that. But for now, I'm happy to just. Focus on this. And also, I'm being creative. What I haven't said yet is with Raw, they're allowing me to get really creative with it. So in the last year, I've made a couple of films for the company. Um, one was called My Black History, which was a, with like four contributors, and it was about their black history. It was a short film, about 20 minutes long, that, um, that I produced and directed. Oh, and then we did- Can you like, send it? Like, I want to watch that. Stop <laughs> <laughs> <Love> it. <laughs> And then we do some black chats and, and we put those up on our internal workplace, it's like a short little film. And I'm going to be doing more of those. Mm. And um, we're going to be bringing in some people, some speakers, some authors, you know, all those kind of people to talk to the company and talk Let to us. Let me know, because I know so many people who, who do that. So I can talk with so many people. So yeah, that'd be good. Right, I will do that. So I, I'm feeling that I'm, I'm able to have a bit of a creative release, actually, okay. doing this as well. And, yeah, it just feels really good. It just feels really good right now. Amazing. So good, good. Yeah. And lastly, what would you say is some of like the best advice you've received in your career so far or working in TV and film? Goodness. I've received so much advice actually. Um, good advice. Good advice would probably be something basic and mini that it probably wouldn't be advice actually. It would probably be looking at somebody and looking at their work ethic and 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 learning from that. There's a woman called Emma Wood who is a production exec at ITN and we both joined ITN around the same time. White girl from Birmingham, lovely, super smart um, and totally professional but she also was a great friend and enjoyed life and just had a really good balance. And I saw, I just saw how, I just saw how it pays off to do really good in your job. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It yeah. pays off to be really good at something. Mm -hmm. And she was just really good. And I wanted to be like that. I didn't just want to be the girl that everyone liked that was in the office that they could just talk and have friends with that was just, there, yeah. I wanted to be the really good one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I learned that from her. And that was things just basic down to how you do, how you budget stuff, how you um, speak to people, how you speak to your teams, how you organize your teams, 
you know, just being a voice in the room, you know, owning it as a female, like I got that just watching her. And I could say the same about Louise Norman at Raw, actually. You know, she's somebody who I learned a lot from, again, just by watching her and hearing some of her stories, you know, and just hearing about her journey and how she's got to where she is now. So she's been doing this for, I mean, I don't want to age her, you know what I mean? But like 40 odd years, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's a pro. And, and she still doesn't really have the recognition that she deserves, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. I see her work ethic as well. Yeah, but then also, I, I, in the same breath, people who aren't necessarily my friends, I see them work in a way that's really unhealthy. And I know that I don't want that. <laughs> and that's something that I like. Yeah, yes, yeah, I totally like, understand. Yeah, I don't yeah. Like that. mm-hmm. That's the life. Like, you might think that this is TV and this is great, but if you look and you sound like that, nah, I'm all right. Mm-hmm. I'm all right. I you know, so he wouldn't actually necessarily be word of advice. It would just be appreciating and learning from the women that I've, I've come across in television, 100%, 100%. I can relate because like I said with you as well your work ethic and I remember Dion as well I always remember looking at Dion and her work ethic was just amazing she's so smart and I'm not surprised that she's now development executive at BBC like I'm not surprised she's so talented I remember always trying to high five she's like stop it's like I can see it like I can see it and like she's doing so well and I totally understand totally understand that looking at other people and being inspired and I get inspired by everybody and it makes me want to work harder and do what I'm doing I totally can relate to that because sometimes it's not all I don't think I've got good advice in TV ever I remember one guy telling me just go up to people and ask for teas and ask them if they want teas I was like I'm not doing that like that's crazy (laughs) I'm like no 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 no. first of all I don't make good tea anyway you taught me how to make good coffee because the way I used to mess it up at Royal because I don't know anything about hot drinks so yeah so trust me I was not about to do that and then them talking about me like Oh yeah, he made a rhubarb cup of tea for me. Like, nah, sorry. <laughs> no, that ain't the one. No, that exactly. That guy. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, thank you again, Tim, for coming on the show. It's been great having you on and sharing. Oh, thank you. Before you finish, Enza, let me just say that you inspire me, Cash. You really, really do. And and your work ethic and and your guts and your level of creativity, I just love it. And you honestly do inspire me every time I see something or read something about you it gives me goosebumps just to see your intention you know just to see you go for it and just keep doing that just mm-hmm. keep doing that and, and regardless of how much money you make or what or how much fame you get you will always feel amazing and you will always be living out your best life you know what mm-hmm. I mean yeah like, I'm just so proud of you thank you thank you well it's great again for having you on thank you again guys for listening to this podcast you can follow me all on my social media you know there's a whole heap of them <laughs> I can't want to repeat it <laughs> <laughs> thanks again guys bye